Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Thank Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This is a podcast where you get to learn more about your friends and community, their wisdom, their trials and tribulations, timeless insights and their secrets. Now, let's get into the show. Please welcome your host, Cal Aras. Hello, folks. Uh, this is your host, Cal Ross, and welcome to another season of uh, Wisdom of Friends. I am really excited today to be introducing you to a very dear friend of mine. Her name is Lindsay Head. Now, Lindsay is a proud wife and a mother to a seven-month-old baby boy, Carter. Professionally, she's a strategic, financial, and a visionary leader providing business owners with proven methods and guidance that help them facilitate intelligent growth. She has always been passionate about business and entrepreneurship, and she finds her purpose in developing business ideas and helping companies succeed. Currently, she is the Chief Financial Officer for J Public Relations, also known as JPR. It's an award-winning public relations agency representing first-class luxury, lifestyle, hospitality, and travel clientele. With enthusiasm, drive, and a high-level view, Lindsay has guided JPR's financial strategy for the past seven years. She has facilitated all aspects of planning and operational tactics to lead the agency's monumental success, expanding offices to accommodate rapid growth on the East Coast, West Coast, and now globally. For three consecutive years, Lindsay has been nominated to San Diego Business Journal CFO of the Year. She also serves on the steering committee of the CFO Leadership Council. And in 2015, Lindsay participated in the California Real Estate Women Leadership Series, where she was one of the six panelists chosen to discuss their role in the success of the San Diego community. She's received a bachelor's in operations management information systems from Santa Clara University with a minor in information technology and society ITS. Friends, in this episode, Lindsay and I, we talk about the choices she had to make to reach the pinnacle of her career as a CFO in the, in the finance industry. And now being a mom, how does she balance her uh, work life and their family life and yet able to uh, deliver on all fronts with passion and success. This is a uh, really a fascinating conversation. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. So please pull up a chair and listen in. And without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Lindsay Head. So good evening, Lindsay. Welcome to another episode of uh, Wisdom of Friends show. I'm really excited that you took some time to be on this program. So, and I remember uh, my first impressions of you. This was almost uh, almost ten years ago, almost a decade ago. I can't believe this. Yeah. Uh, I'd come from the Midwest <laughs> to San Diego, and we were part of this leadership body and team in uh, the community, and uh, we were like uh, one of those. Uh, Leadership, uh, leadership uh, folks that were committed to making a transformation uh, in our society and our organizations and our community. And, and I remember walking into that center and you were one of the first people who came and greeted me and welcomed me and befriend, befriended me. And I was like, 
wow, she's got such incredible warmth and uh, passion and just, just, and that was something that stood, you know, stuck with me, your leadership, your passion for life. And since then, we've been good friends. And uh, I know we kind of like worked in San Diego, San Diego for quite a few uh, years on that leadership team. And then you moved to Seattle uh, on a different project. I moved to Seattle on a different project. And now you went back to San Diego. So yeah, it's it's been such an amazing uh, journey over the last decade. So I really appreciate you taking the time to be on this call. And so welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I I can't believe it's been 10 years either. <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> so this is very, very exciting. I'm honored to be here. I'm, I'm just excited to go through this um to be part of your project and be part of the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, excellent. So one of the ways that we kick off our show, Lindsay, is with a very simple question. And uh, the question is, what's your favorite quote or philosophy that you live by? And how have you applied it to your life? That is a great question. I've always believed in the quote, the best way to predict your future is to create it. And... That's something that hangs above my door to this day, has always hung above above my front door in multiple places where I've lived. And, you know, it's like when you're leaving the house, it's always something, a reminder for me. And I feel that, you know, when I learned this concept of creating your life and really that you're in control of that, you have the power to do that, I think it stuck with me. And that was, yes, definitely over 10 years ago and really at a point, a pivotal point in my life where I was like, this is my life. I, you know, I am responsible for my life and whatever happens in my life and I really took that to heart and I think every decision I made good or bad or whatever it may be it was like this is my journey and this is where it's supposed to go because I'm creating every step of it and that's something that has always stuck with me and something I look by to this day. No, I totally like that. It's like, and I think you're a shining example of how to create a life by design. And uh, <laughs> uh, and and really, I also want to congratulate you because uh, August 2nd was your first year anniversary, wasn't it? Uh, yes, yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank it. you. Yeah, congratulations on that. And you have a wonderful seven-month uh, baby boy, Carter, and a very cute little yep. kid. I've seen some pictures, really a cute baby. So that's awesome. And uh, for the benefit of the audience, I just want to kind of give you a little uh, background here. Lindsay is a strategic and financial and visionary leader, providing business owners with uh, guidance that help them facilitate uh, intelligent growth. Uh, she's always been passionate about business and entrepreneurship. And currently, she works as a chief financial officer for J Public Relations, an award-winning public relations agency representing first-class luxury lifestyle, hospitality, and travel clientele. And this is such an incredible career that you've had, Lindsay. And what I'm curious about is how did this journey begin? Did you always know that uh, this was the field that you wanted to get into? Or uh, uh, what What was the story like? How did that story unfold for you in your own words? What would you say? You know, it's, it's kind of a funny story. I... I got into finance directly out of college, which I did not study finance, but I ended up in a money management firm. And it was so funny. I started there and I was like, well, I didn't really love finance, but then I realized how much it connected to business and how businesses operated. And I was like, oh, I, I love it now. And I grew, you know, I found passion in that. I was like, okay, all the pieces fit together. Because I had studied and got a degree in operations and management information systems, which is like computer science with business. So I didn't touch really finance and accounting 
in my traditional education, right? But I ended up in a business, in business and I said, oh, now it all makes sense because all the pieces I studied that I was interested in in technology and then this missing piece of like finance and accounting all made sense at that point because it all was intertwined. So I went in, I was in finance and then I ended up in hedge fund accounting, which was a very niche type of accounting, which I didn't, didn't love. It wasn't my passion. But then I met somebody and I met the owner of JJ Public Relations. We call it JPR. And it was funny. The question was, do you know something about accounting or money? And we were on an HOA together and I said, you know, I do. And I had met her and I understood the concept of her company. And I said, you know, you have an amazing culture that you're already creating here. And I saw it and I, it just, it just really resonated with me. And as the type of person I, I, I was, or I am. And I said, gosh, someday I feel that this is going to grow and I will help you in the very early stages in 2008 that started. So I helped consulting. I was consulting for them in 2008 and was saw the potential, saw the vision of the company. And at that point they had only like seven employees and that's where it began. But it began with a relationship. We were on an HOA together, the owner and myself, and we had a conversation and it was like, do you know anything about this? And I said, absolutely I do. But then from there I looked at the vision and the, and just the yeah, vision of the company, and I knew it was headed somewhere, and I knew at some point, I believed also that I'd be part of it for a long, for the long road. So that was in 2008, nine, and even when I lived in Seattle, which we'll get into, I stayed connected because I had always admired the company, and it was growing so quickly, and I was lucky enough to always be a resource for them as a consultant, and then when it made sense to turn back to San Diego to be closer to my sister and family down this way, that it makes sense to join them full-time and as their, you know, as the CFO. No, that's great. And I now, looking at uh, some of the accomplishments here, the company uh, JPR has uh, experienced a monumental success and it's expanded offices uh, on the East Coast, West Coast, and now uh, and globally, including an office in London. And, uh, mm-hmm. and you've had some direct contribution with your leadership uh, to help the company achieve double-digit revenue growth. Now, that's so inspiring. And uh, so what I'm curious about, uh, Lindsay, is uh, I, uh, are you originally from uh, Truckee, California, if, I, if my memory serves me right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so what I'm curious about is uh, what did your parents do and how did that shape your life growing up? Good question. So first, Truckee was such a tiny town. I think there was 8,000 people when I was growing up that actually lived there. On the weekends, it was like double in population because of, the ski and snowboard community, you know, people coming there for vacation. But in living there and growing up, there was a very, very small town. My mom was a teacher, a special education teacher for the entire district. So she went to all the schools because of her special, special, you know, specialty education being a special ed teacher that they needed her at all the schools because there weren't that many children. So she serviced all of them. But she, she did that. And we always continuously, I say we, my sister and I continuously helped her in our classroom and, you know, got to be with the kids at a very, very young age. But we did that from the time we were young all the way till we graduated high school. We helped with my mom's classroom and there was a lot of severely disabled children all the way up to learning disabled, a little more, you know, mild. But I really think that taught me a lot about compassion, a lot about patience. And she was just an incredible, she is, you know, was an incredible teacher, retired now, but it was just, she was so well respected in the community. And it was just such an amazing way to grow up by just seeing that compassion and who she was to other people and other families of these children. And 
my dad was the director of the uh, public utility district in in uh, Lake Tahoe. So he, you see all the little signs that they keep Tahoe blue, which is kind of responsible for a lot of that. Had <laughs> mm. <laughs> to keep the sewer and water in check, so there was never. I mean, obviously there were sewer issues and sometimes overflows and sewer spills, which was terrible, but. Um, so he oversaw the water and sewer department district basically around Lake Tahoe. And he, both of my parents literally worked in the same job for 30 plus years and retired. So it was very interesting to watch them live their life because I learned a lot about myself was I, first I didn't see myself in one place for 35 years. I just think the model of, you know, working has changed a lot for people, but I also saw a very, very committed, loyal employees per se to their profession and they love their profession but one big thing that did um also kind of my life is like my dad had a passion for rest- uh, restoring classic cars and so he always had a passion on the side and always had his job that he was committed to day in and day out and for our family but he had a passion for classic cars and that when he retired he really launched a very successful ebay business restoring classic cars and so we grew up you know, using the wrenches and putting the uh, windshields in cars and working on old engines. I mean, that was what I grew up doing. Wow. But to see my dad balance both and, like, you know, we would help him with all, you know, the car work. And it was such a unique thing for, like, young girls, my sister and I, to be doing. Everyone's like, you know how to change the oil? You know how to change the tire? It's like, that's what we did. <laughs> no, that's so great. Really great and yeah. very inspiring. So, and I think uh, having the ability to juggle many things, I think that skill is probably uh, that you've, um, I'm, I'm getting that you're getting it from your parents there and, uh, and a kind of like a loyalty and commitment and, you know, the longevity of 30 years on a job. I mean, that's in today's day and age, it's so unheard of. And that must take some mm-hmm. real, uh, great commitment and uh, passion for uh, what they did. So, no, that's so awesome. Uh, the next question I do have for you is, when you look back at your life up until now, what would you say were one or two turning points? Like, you know, when you look at someone's life, they have these strategic inflection points, if you will. So when you look at your life, what would you say were one of the major turning points for you? Good question. I so one big one that stands out for me was after college. I was trying to find internships. I was trying to get a job, and then I made a decision to actually spend the money I had earned through college working and go to Europe with an open-ended ticket by mm. myself. So I bought a ticket. I went by myself. My family at that time they thought I was crazy. There were no cell phones. I didn't have a cell phone, and I was traveling abroad. And I basically had a one-way ticket for months and I said I'm going and I have a book and I'm going to go backpacking and stay in hostel. So I went <laughs> and I really had zero plans. I just knew I had like one of the, the, the let's go travel book and I knew I could find hostels. I went and I ended up meeting so many different people. I learned so much about my life and just about, you know, about who I am as a person. I had to trust myself. I had to be resourceful. I had to just really dig deep and trust the process. I mean, I, I knew I was always like adventurous and, I felt like I was like a smart person to, in the world, you know, out there. And I, but I, I don't know. I just had that in my heart to always go and travel. So I did. And one of the turning points was when I was out there, I got an email from my mentor who I had, and I was really lucky enough to have since I was 18. I also worked for her. That's how I got to know her through college. She sent me an email saying, call me now, big opportunity. And I remember being in a phone booth in France 
talking to her because I called her using, you know, at that time the phone calls and all that stuff. And she says, you need to get on a plane and move back to California. Get back to California. You're moving to San Diego. And I said, what? She says, we're starting a company and you're hired. Wow. And I said, you've got to be kidding. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I could say, no, 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 I'm going to keep traveling. Or I could really listen and say, this is somebody who I've trusted who's, you know, been like self-made, you know, her own self-made success and who I really trusted with all my heart. And I said, you know what? I'll be there. And I literally got to take my ticket back, I think, in the next 10 days. And I said, I'll be home and I'll drive to San Diego. So I drove home, packed up my stuff, and I drove to San Diego. Wow. And, yeah. <laughs> and that's what it was when we started a company from the ground up. I was part of every single part of it. You know, I learned, you know, launching the company, establishing the legal entities, setting up, you know, the right accountants, the right vendors, meeting with people, understanding the business. We were managing multi-millions of dollars for high net worth investors, high net worth individuals who were investing their money with us. And um, it was just the most eye-opening, biggest learning experience of my life. And probably, I mean, the biggest turning point of my life, because I could been, I could still be in Europe traveling around and, you know, who knows, giving tours of the Coliseum, but that, that just changed my life. <laughs> no, that is so great. And that uh, brings up another question. And I'm really curious here. So you had that moment of choice, that decision point where you could have remained in Europe and still continue traveling because obviously you're an adventurer by heart. You like to explore places. And then there's this email that you get from your mentor who offers you an opportunity to say, come down to San Diego. And you have no idea what that job is like, what it's going to look like. But you decide to go with that, uh, you know, with that opportunity. So what I'm really curious about is what tilted your decision and going towards that opportunity and not continue staying? Was there like anything that a thought process or what was your decision process when you made, made that call? I think at that moment, I I obviously weighed the pros and cons. I said, you know, this isn't a call, like, this isn't me going for a a blind interview somewhere. This is through somebody that I think I highly respected, or I did, I I absolutely do to this day, and did at that time, highly respected, held in reverence. I knew that she was a just a really loving, caring person who really did have my best interest at heart. And I think weighing that versus I could be in Europe for, yes, another year. I could stay here. I could literally do, you know, tours and use my English and, you know, whatever. I could do whatever I wanted. I could have that freedom, but I could also move back and know that I was kind of starting on the path of something. And it was also going to be exciting. And I think I had to sit there for a moment and think that's also an adventure. You know, Europe's been an adventure, but I've been here for three and a half months already or four months at that point. So I looked at it like going back is also going to be an adventure. It's just like the next step in my adventure and my journey. So I think I know that's what it was. And, you know, I never looked back. I knew that was the best decision I ever made was getting back on that plane. But I really, the thought process really was, do I trust this person? Does San Diego make sense? What could my life look like? And is it a go or is it not? And that's kind of what I went through. And I knew wherever I was going to be, San Diego was a great place. And I trusted this person. We figured it out. <laughs> so I did. No, that is beautiful. That's really awesome. And this can be so beneficial for some of our listeners when they reach a decision point in their life, you know, at a, come at a crossroads of life. And, you know, both of them could look appealing. But it's really about, you know, taking a step back and evaluating the pros and cons and then trusting your uh, judgment. It seems like... Uh, 
that's what you did, and it turned out so great for you. So that's that's really awesome. And that brings me to the next question, Lindsay, is, uh, you know, talking about mentors. Uh, so obviously, uh, this mentor definitely had such a big impression on you. So what, who are some of your other mentors that uh, you looked up to growing up, or what fascinated you about them? Gosh, that's such a good question. Um, I would say I admire people who speak with, like, true authenticity, that they know themselves. You feel that, you know, I love it when people don't try to always know the answer to everything. I love someone who can be honest and can say, you know, I don't know the answer, but trust me, I will be here and we're going to figure it out together. I think I really, really admire that in someone when um, they can help you work through scenarios and have those qualities that, you know, I think when you look at people, you try to believe, you know, some people just come across as like not real or they're trying to fluff themselves up. And it's like, you just, you always see right through that. I feel like a lot of times, I mean, sometimes I haven't. Right. But there were, I really admire people who have kind of paved the path for themselves, have taken the steps to create their life. And it's really obvious when people do that work because they're just like seem so at ease with where they are and who they are in life. And yes, they may or may not have been super successful at times or they've gone in ways that you see them and there's really exuding happiness and you know that you can trust that and that they are, nobody's perfect, but I think they're real about it too. So a mentor to me is somebody that I can look at. Typically it's when someone who, yes, has been successful in something they're passionate about and they give true wisdom and they can speak to you like, like with honesty, you know, they don't have all the answers that they will tell you what they do know and what they believe and they have your best interest at heart. And the other thing I always learned is no one's going to have your best interest more, you know, in life than you have to have it for yourself. Like you really have to truly be for yourself, not like the, at the, at the what's the word I can't even say, not the, to disregard other people, but you really have to care about your life because nobody else is going to care about it as much as you can care about it yourself. But some people will guide you as a mentor and give you, those words or that guidance or those opportunities and you have to follow that if it makes sense with what your what path you're on no i like that i think uh, you know that's that's so great Mm -hmm. and uh so two things that i hear you say is one is uh, authenticity and uh, someone who's willing to admit that they may not know all the answers but they're willing to be real with you and secondly uh you know, you also got to take into account the fact that, you know, nobody cares about you uh, more than you can care about yourself. And I think those are two mm-hmm. valuable points that uh, our listeners uh, can take take on in their lives when choosing mentors and, you know, designing a life that they really uh, find, you know, find it passionate. And so... Uh, one of the other questions that I have, and having interviewed so many guests on the show uh, so far, and one of the common trends or the threads that are through line, uh, if you will, that's emerged is most of these successful uh, people have encountered challenges, right? I mean, it's just a given of life, you know, you kind of like live life, you're going to have yeah. these setbacks. But they've had a different point of view, right? They use that as a platform to take on even bigger challenges. And my question to you is, what is your favorite failure? And what I mean by that is that in that moment when it occurred, that failure turned into like, you know, a major success down the road. I love it. Um, so one of my biggest, I would say, well, so right, I, there was a time when I chose to leave a job and work for myself. And 
it was a very challenging decision just because I didn't know how it was going to turn out. And I went on my own. I worked for myself about a year and a half. And I was young. I didn't quite know where my passion lied. I didn't quite know what skills I really had to deliver on, you know, my own business at that time. And I felt like it was a failure because I didn't quite make it. The timing wasn't right. The timing wasn't right for me emotionally. Um, timing wasn't right in the market, you know, in, the, in just the job market. For me to go out on my own, I didn't quite understand what my capabilities were to really succeed at that. And I think it was a really, really big learning lesson for myself because it gave me some clarity. And although I went back to a job that I didn't love after that because I was feeling like I wasn't making ends meet, I said, I, I just have to take a job. But it was because I didn't have the clarity of who I was and I didn't have the clarity of like my skill set being of what value I now know it is in the world and in, in like workplace and kind of the, in the industry that I work in now or in any you know, business industry or business right now. But I didn't have that at that time. And I felt like that was a failure because I totally didn't make it. I didn't, didn't know what to charge for my services. I didn't know how to set it up the way that I needed it to work. I didn't know, you know, so much that I know now. So I think that was a huge eye opener and it just gave me a lot of clarity for creating the success I have found now in the roles that I've been in. No, that is such a fantastic example. It's like you took a plunge into uh, starting your own business and uh, not having the clarity. There were some struggles along the way, but all that experience, it seems like uh, down the road gave you the the kind of uh, strength, inner strength to uh, really, uh, mm-hmm. you know, use it as a platform to succeed in uh you know, knowing uh, what your real uh, true gifts are. And no, that's that's really yeah. awesome. So um, talking about uh, some of your favorite hobbies and interests, I know uh, you probably, uh, Carter must be keeping you busy all day long. Carter, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, <laughs> he's so fun. He is so much fun. Guys. I just, yes, he's my, he's my hobby now. My husband, I just adore my husband. And we, we love to travel. We've we've toted Carter all over the world, all over the country. On that, you can take on flights already. But guy already has so many miles. No, that, <laughs> yeah, miles. Is, that is so great. So let me ask you this: uh, What's your favorite place to travel with Carter and your husband? And uh, what about this place you value so much? Oh, well, we love New York. New York is where my husband and I met. It's just a, it does hold a place in my heart, obviously for that reason. Um, Carter hasn't been here there yet, but he will be there on Monday. So we're traveling there on Monday for the first time with him. So that is that is great. Obviously, Paris. I don't know. We didn't mention this, but my husband and I eloped to Paris. So a year ago when we had our wedding anniversary, we were in Paris, France, right near the Eiffel Tower. And we made the decision to elope. So that obviously, if we ever go back to Paris or when we go back to Paris, that would have, we'll have a, you know, just an amazing place in our hearts. Wow. Yeah, I think it was August 2nd, right? (laughs) Yes, it was. (laughs) That's great. That's so great. So let me ask you this. Uh, Having traveled to all these different places and having experienced the ebb and flow of life and... uh, so now, when you look back at life, or when you look at life now, what would you say is your definition of success, and how would you define greatness? Ooh. Definition of success, for me, is feeling true happiness and freedom. And freedom doesn't mean just the time freedom, but it's more flexibility, knowing that I'm in a position that I have flexibility to manage my life, manage my family, manage my personal side of life, 
and do a great job in the role that I'm in, that to me is success. That just feels, it feels right. You know, if I don't have to worry, I, I arrived 10 minutes late. I remember I had a job where I was clocking in and clocking out, and I can't tell you the stress and anxiety I've had when they say you're staying three minutes late later because you got here three minutes late this morning. I'm like, I drove 45 minutes to get to this job, and you're making me stay three minutes late. No problem. But I remember how much stress that created in my life was just like, I'm doing all the best I can, and I hit traffic or whatever it was. And now being in a place that's more understanding of just the work-life balance, that to me is success. Having that balance and having the flexibility for me is is um, is success and true happiness. I mean, I think reaching this point of like having a family, having all these things that I didn't know I was on the path to have, but I believed it. I just didn't know when. Having that like come true in my reality is like it's true success for me. And what was the other question? You said, how, like, how would you how would you define greatness? Mm. Greatness to me would be when somebody finally finds their passion and they're able to obviously make a living really, really being who they are and finding their passion. Um, yeah, and I think I'm almost there. There's some things along that line that, you know, there's other projects and things that I have, but I that my husband I have, but... Um, Greatness to me would be just finding your true self and being able to make money at it and really just living your life 100% true to who you are. Oh, I like that. That's so great. I think, uh, no, I, I totally dig that. I think it's finding your true calling and uh, making a living at that. And then success for you is uh, freedom and uh, personal happiness. And that's that's so, yeah. so great. Uh, so moving on to the next section of the show, uh, and this is uh, some of the questions that we've gotten from our audience. And, uh, and the first question for you, Lindsay, is uh, what, in your opinion, uh, stops people from achieving their full potential? Straight off the bat, I think it's fear. I think it's fear of failure and fear of doing something and having to be responsible for it. So it's almost safer and easier to just be in the status quo and be where you're at and treading water. You know, I also always learned if you just pick something and go for it, because I know myself too, I'll have like 10 projects that I want to do and I won't do any you know, different times, but I've learned in the past, that's like almost, um, what's the word? It's almost paralyzing. So you have to pick something and go for it. So I think a lot of people don't take those steps because they're either fear of failure or just fear of having to be responsible for whatever decision they make. No, that's great. And I think uh, fear does play a big factor. And, uh, you know, it could be f- fear could have different flavors, right? I mean, it could be the fear of rejection or the fear of failure mm-hmm. or the fear of embarrassment. And, uh, you know, the list goes on and on and on. But I think what you're uh, suggesting is sometimes you just have to, like, uh, you know, take that fear into account and, uh, you know, make it your friend and still go for it. Take the actions. And once you are actually on the playing field, you can make the course correction uh, as you deem fit and uh, not wait for the perfect time to get in. Uh, no, that is that is really great. And uh, so uh, do you have your own personal strategies about how do you choose your projects? Can you say that one more time? It's like, uh, how do you choose your own projects when you have to pick your projects? Is there a way or a methodology that you use uh, when you have to make... Uh, oh. Choices? Yeah, I do. 
Yeah, like, yes, I would say that it has to feel, a lot of things, I think I would pick my products on things that obviously make me feel good, but also things where I can make a difference with people. Because it's like, I don't feel like I'll ever go out on my path to say, I'm just going to go out to make money. I mean, I think it's more of how do I make a difference for people? How can I help people? I think I've always been in that place because I want to always know that whatever I'm doing makes a difference. And that, that, cause that to me is fulfilling. Obviously, making money is fulfilling also. But <laughs> if you're not doing the first one and making a difference for someone, I think it eventually becomes like an empty not even an empty expression of who you are, but an empty, like, you're just put, putting a lot of time into something that maybe is not filling you up emotionally and making you feel good about what you're doing. No, I like that. It's, uh, it's really about making a contribution and uh, making a difference. And, no, that's great. So the next question I have for you is, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned about life in general that you would like to share with our audience? Mm. <laughs> Let me think about that one. Hmm. Let me see. I mean, I've learned so many. I feel that, I think what I was saying earlier, that nobody's going to care about your life as much as you do, because it's true. You always think people will have your best interests, and they, they do. Most people do. But when it's, like, down to the wire and it really comes down to it, you know, you don't always know what people are going to do. And you have to really know yourself and know what you deserve and know, you know, and just really, I don't know, what is the word, what was I saying? I was saying just you really have to know what you want in life because you, no one else is going to create that for you. I guess that's the biggest lesson. You have to know what you want, know what you're worth, and, and really be responsible for your life because nobody, as much as you want, and mentors, yes, thank God they, you know, they're in life and they're amazing, but you also have to take actions for yourself and create your life every step of the way. Oh, that's great. I like that. It's it's really about uh, personal responsibility. It's about taking uh, charge of your own life and, of course, seeking advice from your mentors and all that, but really caring for yourself and uh, knowing what you're worth and what your strengths are mm-hmm. and uh, designing your life. Now, I totally dig that. So uh, the other question I have for you is what uh, what is the best book you've read or you know, what are some of the books that you've gifted or reread over the years? Mm. Um, one I read years back, and gosh, it's been so many years. I feel like I really early on before I've ever did any like personal development work in life before any, I don't think there were many seminars out there at that time. It was called Dare to Dream. And if I can even remember, I just remember it always stuck in my brain, even just the title was Dare to Dream. And it, it took you through even like very basic exercises of if you could do anything now, what would it be? You know, what has to happen for you to have your best life? You know, questions that were always thought-provoking and was really kind of made you think instead of just like, you know, you're going to work every day. It's like, no, what does it really mean to have a life that you love? So Dare to Dream was one of them. Um, The 4-Hour Work Week, uh, Good to Great. Uh, Those are a couple that I absolutely love. Yeah, so I think uh, the Dare to Dream was uh, written by, I think, uh, Michael Slaughter. And the four-hour okay, uh, yeah. work week uh, is by Tim Ferriss. Uh, totally highly recommend yep. the four-hour work week. Uh, it's uh, it's one of my all-time favorites as well. And that's great. great. And we'll include this in the show notes uh, for our audience here. Uh, the next question I do have for you is, and this is interesting. I know you just started in the in the world of uh, parenting. 
so <laughs> what advice would you give to someone who's just uh you know gotten to uh, the domain of marriage and parenting or what lessons have you learned about uh, parenting in this short time <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good question i got you know hmm, i would say choose your partner really well <laughs> i think i i feel so 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 blessed to have met somebody who is so aligned with the same way of life like we laugh constantly like you're me like we're the same person that's what we joke about but i have to say Before I, I went entering into the world of marriage, I mean, obviously, you're making a commitment for life, and that's a big, big deal. Now, my husband and I, we didn't know each other that long, but something clicked with us that we knew we were meant to be together. And I know people will hear that and say, oh, yeah, yeah, right, you know, but the reality is it's true. And we felt that and we knew that, and I think we're just so similar in our thinking and so aligned and, like, the vision of what we wanted in life and we're, he's like such a creator and constantly let's do this let's do this and an adventure like these qualities were so much part of me that we were of him and so we entered the world of marriage like so peacefully it was like there was no stress around it. i don't think there should be but you know it's such an easy transition because he's such like a power partner for me if that makes sense yeah so i think does. when people get into the world of you know finding their partner in life and their person they're going to share life with it's like wow You know, make sure those people are aligned with what your vision is in the same type of energy. They vibrate at the same frequency, right? People say that, too. But um, that's truly what we we talk about parenting as, like, partnership parenting, right? Because you're, you're helping each other. And there's not one day where I feel like I'm doing everything, ever. Like, he is such a, it's a, you know, we're supporting each other 100% each. You know, if he has something going on one night, you know, I'm there for him. And vice versa, like. You know, I'm getting this call, and he took Carter and our little boy bowling to meet friends. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> you know, you just you just have to pick up where the other one leaves off, and I think that's very, very important. So we actually started our um, vlog, Boss Parents, because we're both working adult, working parent, working, uh, yeah, working parents, and we felt that it was really important to kind of share our experience of how we juggle and how we work together to be parents. Now that is great and we'll include that in our show notes as well and I think uh, I think the underlying theme that what I'm hearing is uh, as you said uh, you know choose wisely I think that's uh, I think it was Tony <laughs> Robbins who said there's 90% of uh, uh, having a soulmate or having a great partnership is about choosing uh, the right person and I think uh, that that is so great and then the other piece of it is as you said it's partnership it's uh, be it uh, parenting be it supporting each other and being the power partner for each other and uh, that's so great uh, it's awesome and i can again congratulations on this uh, one year anniversary i mean that's so great and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah and then uh, the next question i have for you is and this is uh, lindsay this is a hypothetical situation uh, let's say we have a time machine and then you know if you <laughs> could go back in time and talk to your young self let's say your 20 year old young self What advice would you give her? I would say, ah, good, good question, because that was the time when I made some big decisions. Um, I would say, if I can give my advice at that time, I would say, know your value and know your worth and really believe that you're, you have something to offer. Um, some people, I, I felt like I, I don't even struggle with that, but I always, I always felt like I had something to contribute. I just didn't know who I was fully. Like, I knew I had intelligence. I knew I had, you know, an education. I knew I had something to offer. I didn't know how to package that up to say, this is me, and this is 
and I know my 100% value. And I say that more on a professional standpoint, you know. So it's like if I was back in, back in time, I would say, you know, always believe, surround yourself with powerful people who lift you up and support you, and just make sure when you're putting yourself in a job or a business or any type of working environment that it truly is aligned with your who you are and what you want in life. Because I did. I put myself into, you know, I, I don't want to say hedge fund accounting, but a very very small niche type of environment that didn't align with me. Like every day felt like it was um, a challenge because it just wasn't who I was. And I would say at that age, don't be afraid to make a decision to walk away and make bold decisions to really find what it is that lights you up and fulfills you. And don't be afraid because, you know, you can go create something else and there's always something else out there. No, I like that. That's really great. It's about surrounding yourself with uh, powerful people and then really knowing your value and really uh, choosing the projects or choosing the track that is in alignment with who you really are. And I think that's uh, that's so great. So uh, wonderful uh, insight and uh, words of wisdom here. Uh, the next question is, and these are some of the questions we've received from our small business owners and entrepreneurs and uh so the first question I have for you is, uh, what, in your opinion, as a CFO that's uh, been, uh, you know, uh, rated as one of the top uh, performing CFOs here in uh, San Diego is, uh, so my question is, what is the key, in your opinion, to a successful budget? The fast answer would be one that you can stick to. But, <laughs> but of course, right? But I think it, I think for a business owner, it's very, very important to really understand what does it take to run the business. And when you're building your budget, you also have to plan for the worst case scenario, you know, which I always talk about having a cushion, having a cushion for the worst case scenario, you know, because that's as finance people, that's what I have to always, you know, I have to always plan for because if something does happen, that's not obviously the way that the business is hoping to go, right? Which I can't, I, I always joke, I can't plan on hope. Even though you hope that you get more clients and we hope we got this and this is our plan, I have to plan for the actual, you know, actual business here and now, this is what we have. So I say when you're creating a budget, it's one that you can stick to and really, really, truly understanding the cost of the business. Can you operate, you know, at your very, very leanest at a certain number? And then you build into it the the hopeful things, right? Yes, we want to do this. Yes, we want to hire people. Here's the forecast. You have to build in all those factors, but at the very, very worst case scenario is how you have to kind of plan and then you can build, add to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And it's about like stick something that you can stick to is uh, the foundational principle there. And then secondly, having a baseline that you can start building on it. So, oh, that's great. The second question is, uh, you know, in today's day and age, you know, like it's so competitive out there, you know, regardless of what industry you're in. And I'm in the, you know, I've worked and consulted in different industries all the way from manufacturing to services. And it's just a retail and, you know, uh, marketing. And it's just been like an IT now and technology and aviation now for the last many years. So when business is challenging and uh, what are some of the key steps? And this is a more of a high level uh, kind of a foundational principles in your opinion where can the company starts i mean or a ceo can start looking at tightening their belts and what i mean by that is you know they're often 
most businesses are trying to run lean, right? I mean, uh, they're trying to like cut down on cost. They're trying to like, you know, figure out, okay, what projects to cut, how much staff can be retained and uh, how can the uh, spending be deferred, right? So, so what would you say are some of the foundational principles as a CFO would you recommend when CEO, when they have to uh, deal with challenging times? Mm, very good question. Uh, you know, I think the CFO, you always have to have a backup plan. So, again, a step-by-step backup plan. You know, a lot of businesses will have lines of credit, will have savings, will have all these different places where you can pull from if it was like a temporary downturn, right? But I say, you always have to think of the planning. So it's like, okay, let's tighten up expenses, number one. You know, then you've got, do you leverage lines of credit? Do you step in, you know, pull from some savings? Do you lay off employees? You know, in a service-based business, number one thing that I know that we're committed to is never making, never having to lay off one single person. And we've stuck by that now for 15 years. But that is something that goes into the planning because you never want your payroll or your labor costs to exceed a certain percentage of your revenue. So you know you always have that big gap in between, you know, where you can start cutting out some of those expenses and tightening things up. Obviously, your rent and your overhead and things like that, you know, the only way to really cut those out is obviously end your lease and everybody works from home. But things like if you need to retain your staff, obviously, that's number one, if you can, and if it makes sense to still service the revenue that you're bringing in. But... There's other places to cut, and then if it is a temporary downturn, obviously there are steps that I always say, well, you know, and there's always a scenario, too, no exact right answer. You know, do we borrow from here? Do we take from here? You don't, may not want to do that, but if it is a very short downturn time, maybe you do. But, you know, if it goes a certain number of, say, a month or two or whatever that timeline is that makes sense for your business model, then you have to do take some other steps. So I would say always have a plan. Um you know, always think ahead, say, okay, if this happens, here's what we would do first, one step one through five. And so they may be scenario based, but I would say for business owners to always be thinking one step ahead in at the worst case scenario. Again, it's like I get people joke with me saying I'm the CF no. You know, you're always the no for things because obviously the business owners have the vision and they want to spend the money, but we're like the reality and the, we're like the get check of having to run things you know, with the worst case scenario in mind. It's not not the most fun situation to be in to always think like that, but it is the reality of how we have to run numbers. So does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Or it do certainly you? does. And okay. I think that what I'm hearing is, and you know, you got to have a backup plan in place. That's the first and mm-hmm. foremost. And the second is there are always ways and no one particular uh, strategy fits uh, any particular business. I mean, you got to look at, you know, where can we juggle costs, right? I mean, really, what can we cut down on? And, and really, I mean, there are fixed expenses with any businesses and there are variable expenses. So you got to look at, you know, what kind of portfolio yeah. you can kind of play with and tweak and tune and that kind of stuff. Um, the next yeah. question is tied into this. And this is like, you know, assuming and again, you know, this is no company has unlimited funds. We know that. Uh, but what are some key principles do you think uh, a CFO or a CEO can keep in mind uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, identifying the right allocation of funds towards uh, growth projects or things of that nature? Hmm. Great, great question. I would say a percentage of them. But I think, again, that goes to, yes, there's no exact answer for each type of business. However, I think there should always be a percentage of revenue that you're putting aside as safeguard in the business and in that same sense, that could be your savings, but in the same sense, maybe a percentage of every revenue you make goes down towards your growth project. 
And that always keeps you, so you're not always saying it's a flat number, but it is a percentage of what you're bringing in. So you obviously bring in more money, you're going to have more money to spend towards those growth projects or more money to spend towards you know, allocating resources to grow to those growth projects, whatever they may be. Whether maybe it needs more people, maybe it needs more, I don't know, maybe another office, whatever it might be. I think that you turn a percentage of what you're bringing in go towards it. So you're not overextending and you're not really disrupting how you're running the business now. But you can say, okay, from this day forward, we're going to say 5 to 10% of our revenue is going to go towards this growth project. Or even if you want to decrease your percentage of savings every month for the state side of the business or tax planning, those types of things, you can say, we're going to cut that down a little bit because we're going to put more money into these growth projects and it's not really going to disrupt the tax planning and all the other things we have going. It's just going to help us potentially improve the business. So I always think a percentage of what you're bringing in is a really safe way to do it. Okay, great, excellent, and that's uh, that's awesome. I think it's uh, what you're saying is percentage of revenues uh, is channeled towards uh, growth-related projects, and again, if the revenues increase, you're increasing the percentage towards these kind of portfolio projects. Uh, no, that's that's awesome, and uh, and just for the benefit of our audience here, Lindsay has been nominated to San Diego Business Journal CFO of the Year for three consecutive years, and she's also uh, serves on the steering committee of the CFO Leadership Council. And in 2015, she participated in the California Real Estate and Women Leadership Series, where she was one of the six panelists chosen to discuss their role in the success of the San Diego community. So, uh, yeah, and with that, we'll uh, move on to our next section. This is our uh, rapid-fire round, and uh, and this is a section where I'm going to ask you a bunch of quick questions and whatever the first response comes mm-hmm. to your mind. Again, this is a fun section. Uh, if you want to elaborate on it, feel free to do so. But again, this is the rapid-fire round. So my first question to you, Lindsay, are you ready? <laughs> I think I'm ready. <laughs> All right. So the first question is... Uh, what is your favorite color? Blue. Mm. <laughs> do you believe in magic? <laughs> I do, actually, yes. If God exists, can she be trusted? 100%. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, uh, tell me something that is true that almost nobody agrees with you on. Oh, wow, this is a good one. Um... <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my goodness. This is when we got me stumped. Well, let me think about that one. <laughs> that's it. That's why I started off with the easy ones there. <laughs> you sure did. Something that is true that I have no way agrees with you on. Mm-hmm. Or it could be like a superstition. I don't know. I'm just making things up like, you know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know. Okay, we'll pass on that. We'll get back to it if it comes okay, to your mind. Okay, but, okay the, the next one. Whose brain would you like to have had? Oh, gosh. What I'd like to have had. I think Warren Buffett's pretty awesome. Mm. <laughs> I also think Steve Jobs is pretty awesome, but I'm also leaning towards um, Jeff Bezos from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. If you could be successful in another profession, which would you choose? Maybe public speaking. Mm, that's great. I would... Yes, public speaking or just entrepreneur. I would be a venture capitalist after that. <laughs> I would want to invest in people's ideas. Well, that's great. Yeah. And then uh, the next question is, uh, what rock star has impressed you? 
Hmm. Oh God, I'm so not the rock star. I'm not not the starstruck type of person. But let me think about this one. Um, who is it? You know who I love as a rock star? I think Pink is absolutely awesome. <laughs> she is so true to her core, and is like kind of like a, if I can say it, a badass. And it's totally awesome. <laughs> That's great. And then the final question in the rapid fire round is: If you could have any message of your choice on a billboard, what would that be? Ooh, have any message of your choice on a billboard? What would that be? Always be yourself. Hmm. Ah, that's awesome. Great. Uh, that wraps up our rapid fire round, and then we are moving on to our final <laughs> section. And I've got three uh, last questions for you. So the first question is, Lindsay, what is your current uh, personal or business uh, passion project that you're working on, and what are you looking forward to in the next uh, six months to a year from now? Oh, this is so exciting. I, I have to say my uh, husband and I am wor- working on, there's, there's a passion project that I've had in my mind for a long time, and it, it really is truly going to help with people planning their life, organizing their life. And I know this sounds terrible, but it's just the ultimate goal is to decrease the turmoil that family members feel when a family member passes away. I just have found that there is such a need for this type of, planning or organizational model that doesn't quite exist in the way that I, that I see it, that it could exist. There's, there's something that we're working on that can hopefully make a difference for families when it comes down to get being organized, just in the case of anything ever happening. Like in the case of my husband, he, you know, has lost a lot of people in his life and it was, it was spurred by a couple different things. And um, that's a passion project we're working on to ultimately help people with that aspect of like kind of end of life planning. Mm, that's that's so great, so inspiring. Uh, the next question is: What are three things you're grateful for in life today? Oh, hands down, I'm grateful for my family, <laughs> my baby, healthy baby boy, my you know amazing husband, and I'm also grateful for being able to have knowledge and experiences that I've had, that I've had in life that. Um, it really is connecting me to the people I'm connected with, like you, like people in my life who I just, you know, even though years have gone by, it's like you can still be connected. And I think that is such an awesome thing. Great. Thank you for saying that. And I want to acknowledge you, Lindsay, uh, for a couple of things. One, for a really being a proud wife and a mother to a seven-month-old baby boy, Carter, and uh, and then uh, like really uh, being connected in the community and then uh, being such a role model for for all of us to uh, really take on projects that are challenging and that pushes our limits, but really doing so in a way that is uh, true to our own self and our own calling, and then uh, showing us the way of how to be surrounded with uh, powerful and amazing people. And then uh, the other thing I want to acknowledge you for is also for taking on projects in the community like you know, uh, people who have lost loved ones and uh, creating uh, a model for them so that you can make a difference and contribute to their uh, lives as well. So thank you for being such an amazing uh, being in our community and for all everything that you do, Lindsay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. 
appreciate you. Yeah, and uh, well, thank you very much. And then uh, one final question, and this is how we wrap up all our interviews, and that is, why do you think people should listen to the wisdom of friends? Oh, easy answer. <laughs> I think you are bringing on the key people um, from different walks of life, I feel, that are really can shed some light on and some inspiration for your listeners. And I think it really is just an awesome program you have here and the structure of it and the questioning. I think it's out set, set out to make a big difference for people and um, can hopefully people can find some guidance and some inspiration. definitely listen no great i sure appreciate that and again thank you so much uh, for your time and your candid answers i truly valued our conversation here tonight and uh, for those of us listening with that we'll wrap it up and if you like what you heard please share don't be shy Thanks for listening to the Wisdom of Friends show with Cal Aras. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, theglobalcontribution.com. To your friends and colleagues, be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous episodes. This has been a Seven Symphonies production. Join us next time for another edition of the Wisdom of Friends.